podcast audience. Welcome back this week. I am really honored to have a very special um, guest with us today. Um, her name is Jill Teets. You might know her as Sears Jillian as well if you Google her. Um, I first came across her at the Evolutions Podcast Movement Conference in Las Vegas um, last March. And she was presenting about her network that she has um, called the Sober Powered Media Network, where it's not only her own podcast, but others as well. So she was talking about her um, journey with that and really guiding the rest of us on what that looks like and how we can go about doing that. And through listening to her, and doing, you know, and I was very ambitious afterwards because I looked her up and saw what she did and saw what um, area of the world she was speaking to and how she's helping not just women, but people in the world specifically. I was like, we need to have her on. We need to have a conversation if she's willing, because she's a big deal in the podcast world. So I'm super honored that she's willing to be with our little our little indie podcast today because she's she's a treasure. And her authenticity and vulnerability is just going to come out as I um, share her with you today. But um, Jill um, was kind enough to say yes. And so um, I very kind of aggressively gave her my <laughs> business card after the presentation and then followed up with her after I got home from Vegas because I just knew like if there's any way um, she would be willing to be on. We're going to talk about something today that we haven't talked about on the Field Podcast before that is a very important topic and a very stigmatized topic, especially with women, I think. And so I'm going to be curious to hear Jill's insight on that. Um, and I guarantee you, every one of us knows somebody who has, is battling this battle even if you don't think you do, I promise you, you do. And we'll get into that more and what I'm talking about here in a minute. But um, Jill is ambitious, cam compassionate, and energetic. Jill, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the, the nice intro. That was really special. Absolutely. No, I, it's an honor, like I said. And um, all that you're going to hear from Jill and the resources that she has available are going to be available through our sources and on our social medias. But go to embracinglayers.com after this episode. It's all going to be there for you to um, take part in or share with others that need to know about it. So, um, and like I said, we'll get into this more, but let's start with. I, these talking points, you're just going to have so much all to say about all of them. So I'm excited to jump into these. Um, how do you prioritize self-care in your life? And what does that look like for you? Because, and when did it, you, yeah, just talk to me about your journey with that. Yeah. So self-care has always been hard for me because in the beginning, self-care was drinking wine after work to unwind or, you know, mm -hmm. and you think you're taking care of yourself, but that's not self-care at all. And then when I quit drinking, I thought I was taking care of myself, but every time I would get stressed, self-care was the first thing to go away. Mm -hmm. And I've been slowly realizing that just over the past few months that that's my tendency. And I would realize it because I would have all these symptoms pop up. Like I would be, I'd have no patience. I'd get cranky really easily. 
I felt like everyone needed something from me and I just couldn't keep up with it. And I would start to feel sad and tired. Mm. And then eventually my therapist helped me connect like, have you been to the gym in like the past year? Are you walking? How's your eating? Are you eating healthy? Are you just existing on coffee all day? Um, so now I'm really prioritizing self-care. I'm calling it like a health kick, mm. but I'm really just prioritizing myself. Yeah. I walk every morning for like an hour and I'm trying to not check my phone when I wake up, normally I wake up, I roll over and I open my phone. I'm like, okay, let's see the troll comments on Instagram. And then let's see all the problems that are in my email. <laughs> so I can just like ruin my mood before I even get out of bed. So I'm trying really, really hard. It's, it's a bad habit and I can't get out of it easily, but I go on a walk um, I'm drinking um, the Green Giant right now. Do you know mm. Brian Johnson? I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm drinking his drink. He has this thing called Blueprint and it's super healthy. And then I'm also going to the gym multiple times a week and uh, trying to disconnect from my email by like 7 p.m. I always have a check and then I tell myself in my head like, this is the last time you're checking your email till tomorrow and making that announcement helps. So I think having boundaries around work, because now I work for myself and I'm very passionate. My work is my hobby. So it just easily takes over my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I have to have those boundaries with myself. Um, and so far I'm doing okay, except with the first thing in the, mo in the morning phone situation. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something, I know I struggle with that too. It's something that I've kind of, I've just this week, like literally this week went back to a practice of picking up my journals and writing down some things that I'm, um, affirmation, support, how am I feeling today? All those kinds of things to kind of give me an idea of where I'm at before I touch my phone before I touch my computer, but it's hard because I think we feel like this need to, like, we've got to see what's out there. We got to answer people right away. And it's really hard to resist that urge, but also reminding ourselves if I can start myself off fresh instead of in hypervigilant go mode, I'm going to be a lot better able to think through and process through and handle what's coming with me today. But I think that's a real struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And if I respond to your email at eight o'clock versus seven o'clock, like you're not like, <laughs> hopefully yeah. you're not checking your email either. Exactly. But that's what I try to tell myself. Like if I respond to someone at eight o'clock or seven o'clock, like this, it's going to be the same either way. Like they don't care if there's an hour delay right. because I want to go on a walk. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, that's that sense of this in the culture, that urgency that we've got to answer everything right away. That's something I've really struggled with. I'm like, if they're going to be that upset with me, then this might not be someone I want to work with anyway. <laughs> I mean, honestly. So I th I'm so glad you brought that up. All right. You've mentioned some boundaries already, but confidently setting boundaries. I, you know, I've listened to a lot of your episodes and you talk a lot about how relationships had to change because you had friends that were drinking friends and were friends that were not good influences in that space and maybe weren't ready, willing, didn't want to, didn't see the need to, to do the work. Um, you talk about 
habits that you and your husband had in terms of this space. But then again, but then you also mentioned earlier, just the boundaries with your work. Now you're doing, now that you're on this side of the journey with Sober Powered and on your own sober journey, you love your work. And so it's hard to place a boundary because when your work is also your passion, and I can totally relate to that. When I started giving all of my time over to my podcast last fall, I got about three months into it and realized, oh man, and my, one of my daughters mentioned it. She's like, mom, you've got to put some boundaries in or you're going to burn yourself out because of, of that very same thing you talked about just a few minutes ago. So talk to me about boundaries. I feel like this is, you've got a lot to say about this. I do because (laughs) I never had any, and I always had the belief that if I set a boundary, I would hurt people's feelings and be Mm -hmm. mean to them. Mm -hmm. And I never want to hurt anyone's feelings, but what's, we're going to get into this too, but there's always layers to every feeling that you have. Mm-hmm. And I've been realizing that over the past year or so. Is it that I don't want to hurt people's feelings or is it that I don't want people to not like me? Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think we as women, especially not that men don't, but I think from cultural expectations, we struggle with that. Yeah, because As I got more and more involved in business, I had to be careful how I framed things because I think it's very easy for women to come off as bitches Mm. where a man like my husband could type out the same email or make the same like direct point and people would respect him. And maybe I'm wrong and not everybody would think this way, but it's much easier for me to be perceived as a bitch mm-hmm. over a man. Absolutely. So that's, that's been very hard for me too. And being yeah. mindful of that. And then I feel more like, Ooh, I just, I need everyone to like me at all times. So I have to just do whatever I think they want and be available and just be super nice and put all the exclamation points in the email. So boundaries has been, it's, I'm still working on it, but it's, it's been a long journey. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what was kind of, how do you go about it when you know what's kind of your trigger to know that a boundary needs to be set and then what's your process in setting that, whatever it is, whether it's relationships, work, whatever that is. It's typically some kind of negative emotion, Mm. like the, the one that comes up for me the most is feeling resentful. Mm. or like things are very unfair. Yeah, yeah. Or this feeling that like everyone needs something from me. That's where I typically go. And it's not that everyone needs something from me. It's that I don't have any boundaries. Yeah. And as I've put up boundaries and shown people kind of like, this is when I'm available, this is what's okay, this is what's not okay in this relationship – my relationships have been stronger because mm. in not setting boundaries, I was just looking for everyone to like me. It wasn't about the relationship at all. Mm. And when you're like that, it almost like encourages people to not like you as much because they know what you're trying to do. Yeah. And when you can just be firm and like, this is what I need. This is what I can do. Most people will accept it if you're confident about it, but it's hard to know what boundaries you even need. I think with drinking, um, the best boundaries are like people drinking around you or 
people pressuring you to drink. And I've had a lot of people like encourage me like, oh, you're not that bad. Mm. Or, you know, you, you don't have a problem. You just need to have less. And I had to set firm boundaries with like, that's okay if you feel that way. Thank you. It's a compliment. I'm surprised you feel that way <laughs> with everything that you saw. But I don't agree with you. And you need to respect that I'm not going to drink anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that and that whole communication piece is so key too, because I think it's, we can get really like, okay, because I was a person, I know that no boundaries road. I, four years ago, I I crashed and burned and like realized I have a boundaryless life. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, so you can get them all going in and kind of line them out and decide what they need to be, but then you've got to communicate them. And, and, and then sometimes you got to remind people when they're not used to you having a boundary that you have that boundary. And I think that's where the hard part is. It, you can set them. It's a whole other thing to communicate and sometimes recommunicate all of those too. So um, has that been difficult for you or is that, is that something that comes pretty natural? Talk to me about that. Once I understood what a real boundary was, mm. it became just kind of like the way that I lived. Yeah. But before I thought like boundaries were more about controlling other people's behavior. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And that doesn't work. No. And when you try to set those like, you know, quote boundaries, mm -hmm. They're not going to work. No. Um, so I had a lot of that in the beginning. And then that would like fuel this resentful feeling and everybody needs me and people take advantage of me. And mm. But once I just started adjusting the way that I spoke to people mm. or sometimes they would say something like give me a hard time and I wouldn't defend myself like I normally did, I just wouldn't respond to it. Okay. And in doing that, I showed people like, I'm not going to have this conversation again. Right. I'm not going to entertain it. So it was more in like, it wasn't so much what I was saying to people. It was just mm. a behavior change for me. Sure. And then that showed people what the boundaries were. I mean, I've had people push and not respect boundaries or whatever. And that's that's complicated, but I've learned it's it's more in a way of how I live my life, mm. not exactly the way that I communicate with other people. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because, I mean, if you say something or communicate something, but you're not modeling it, then that's, yeah. that speaks louder. So that's a really good point. Thank you for sharing that. All right. You're going to have a lot to say about this one, too. And you talk so much about this in your podcast, and I love the approach you take about just the medical, the mind connection approach, but taking care of our emotional health as much as our physical health. What are some practices you use to process in your emotions in a healthy way? And how did you arrive at this? Because you, you talk about this a lot. And I think it's so important for people to understand. You said something, I've, I've listened to a bunch of your episodes lately, that you've, you've said something more than one time about the fact that whenever you're using a, something, a vice, whether it's drinking, eating, compulsive shopping, whatever it is, it's actually covering up the actual issue. It doesn't allow you to break down into what's actually happening. So anyway, so talk to me about that. I'm really um, excited to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. So we use things like alcohol, food, 
shopping, whatever, to try to meet needs. And if you can understand what need you're trying to meet, you can think about how to do it in a healthier way. Like if drinking, for example, often people use that to avoid or to reduce the um, power of emotions and make them feel more manageable Mm. or to, you know, take the edge off the whole thing. And if you can try to understand like what the need is that you have, you can find a different way to meet it. Yeah. Um, So for me, whenever I have like a lot of negative emotions pop up at the same time, it's because I'm neglecting something either I need to set a boundary and take better care of myself and I'm not, or I need to have like a tough conversation with someone or I'm doing too much or someone hurt my feelings and I don't Mm. want to think about it. There's always something below it. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get that level of awareness too. Yeah. A lot of people that struggle with alcohol or food, there's a craving and then they indulge the craving and there's no like middle part where they think it through and it's hard to get that pause. And I think what helped me in the beginning was kind of doing like a postmortem analysis Mm. on my behavior and understanding like, why did I do that? Mm. I said I wasn't going to drink tonight and then I did. Surprise. Why? Like what was going on? What could I have done differently? And if you get curious about it and you actually think it through, it makes it easier to have that thoughtful step in between like the impulse and the action. And that's the ultimate goal. And then that's going to help you with your emotions. But emotions just feel so horrible a lot of the times and we don't want to feel them. But making them go away with stuff doesn't actually work. That's something I've learned too. Like I have to just feel it, survive it, get through it, and I'll come out the other side. And if I try to make it go away or turn it down, I'm just prolonging it and, and forcing it to hang out with me like for months or years. So understanding that and knowing that I will actually get through stuff and move on helps me too. But I think it's all about curiosity Mm. and trying to understand how you work and what you need. Yeah, no, I I love that. That's such a great breakdown because emotions are hard. And I, I talk, we talk a lot about on the podcast here of Emotions are clues and they're indicators of things that need to be dealt with, felt, walked through, processed, talked about, all of those things. And I think we can sometimes have a uh, adversarial relationship with some of our emotions. And I've tried to like, and I think this is a lot what you talk about too, I've tried to like reframe my relationship with emotions and and look at them as clues rather than barriers. Um, and, but yeah, getting that, getting curious piece is so important. Uh, and being, just being mindful of like, why is my body feeling this way? Why do I have the urge to do this? What is the reason behind it? And is it healthy? Is it, and is it even true? Like we tell ourselves so many stories about what's happening in different scenarios and relationships and two that, you know, breaking that down. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important. Um, 
How can we support ourselves and other women in living unapologetically? You do this really well um, just by the virtue of the work we do. We talked about earlier that I will tell you as as a woman um, in my 30s and 40s, I was um, working some of the time, sometime volunteering, raising kids, being a partner, doing all the things. And I had a couple of one friend and then just another, someone who was in kind of our peer group that I knew, both women, one that came out and, and talked about it and admitted to it, and another that didn't, but everybody knew it was an issue, had an issue with alcohol. The amount of stigmatism that both and, and judgment that both of them faced as these women who were moms and had jobs, like how could, like, and you put a man that was in the same scenario, because I also knew men in this time, same scenarios, and the different way they were treated was really um, problematic. And I think it probably keeps a lot of women from talking about this, that because culturally there's been so much shame around it for why would a woman that, ha- you know, have this issue with the, how can she be a mom? How can she be a partner? How can she be this professional? You know? And so I'm babbling on a lot about this, but it's just so like astonishing to me. And also sad to me that there's this stigma out there. I feel like your work has really has a, it's saving lives. I don't have any doubt about it because you, um, are a woman talking about this? You're talking about your own journey with it. You're providing tools to help others um, deal with this, but you are very honest about it and so authentic and vulnerable in your sharing. So thank you for that. But talk to me about how you've come to this place where you're able to do that. Yeah, the stigma kept me stuck for a long time. I was mm. really afraid everyone would say I was an alcoholic. Mm. And that they would talk about me and like be shocked and judge me and think I was a loser. And we all only know our own experiences. And it's hard to understand that someone can have a different experience than you. Yeah. Most people can have a drink, stop drinking, move on with their lives. Yeah. And some people just can't. They start drinking and they literally can't stop until it's time for bed or the alcohol is gone. And even if they don't want to drink because they care about their kids and their family or their job, they still find themselves drinking, even if they made like every intention not to. And people who can control their drinking and don't have an issue, they don't understand how that could happen. So it's easy to label it as just weakness or Mm. being a loser or being selfish. Mm. And the media also intensifies that by the way that they represent problematic drinking. Mm. Um, There was this one show, it was like the the woman across the street from the girl in the window, Mm. something like that. It was on Netflix. Yeah. And she... I watched it a while ago. She was like grieving, I think. And she started drinking like a lot. Mm -hmm. She would drink an entire bottle of wine like first thing in the morning Mm. and drink all day long. And everybody was gossiping about like what a loser she was. Mm. And then eventually 
she just decided she didn't need alcohol anymore. And so she quit drinking and she had no withdrawal symptoms. She didn't have any cravings or struggles. She just decided to to like be strong and mm. then everything was great. And I was watching that. I was like, that someone drinking that amount, first of all, probably couldn't safely just quit cold turkey, but sure. Just the way that they represented like her finding her strength and she doesn't need alcohol. Like it just perpetuates the stigma. Yeah. And it's not a like strong person, weak person thing. And that's why yeah. I try to educate people on like why this happens. But women especially feel it because women internalize a lot of shame. We feel like we have to show up for everybody and be perfect and put everyone's needs above our own. And that makes women wait all day long and then drink in secret alone. Yes, I one of my friend, a friend of mine, one a friend that I referred to earlier that that we that, she, that was what would happen, and she would wait till the kids went to bed. She'd draw a bath and go drink alone, and that's why really nobody recognized. Oh, mom's just having her wine with her bath, kind of thing. I think that happens a lot. You feel like you've got to hide it in shame. There's in the stigma with that, and also, I um, some of uh, several of your episodes, you really talk about specific health challenges that can really feed into this and how the brain is affected by that. And it's, I thought that was so informative. I mean, you have one that talks about how people with anxiety and depression struggles, people with ADHD, how their brains are literally set up differently. And that's not a strength or a weakness. It's just different. And so I think too, that's whole strength versus weakness. And you just don't know what people's journeys are. You don't know what the traumas are that they've been through, what they're grieving. But yeah, that whole like, well, why don't you just quit? Oh yeah. (laughs) That's just so like, when it's insensitive, it's ignorant in terms of making a lot of assumptions about what someone else's experience is versus yours. So I'm so glad you speak to those things. And I think, I don't think we can talk about it enough. And I think we just, you know, creating spaces for women to have these conversations and, and you are doing that. So thank you so much for, for what you share in that and and for what you're sharing with us today on that. Um, the importance of setting and coming back to your why and your values and everything you do. Um, you're obviously doing work that you feel very passionately about. You get a lot of ask. I know that you get a lot of ask because of what you're doing in this space, the network that you have, what you've created. So talk to me about coming back to your why and your values and how that informs what you do. I'm going to talk about it from a lens of like entrepreneurship this time. Yeah. But I think a lot of business people quickly get wrapped up in followers and money and financial freedom, popularity, and you forget like why you started doing it and you forget like about the people Mm-hmm. that you're trying to help, they become less of individual people and more of just like groups mm. in your mind. And you see it all the time with big brands. They just become very disconnected from the actual people. Yeah. And 
it's easy to do that. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just very easy to do that. Being in being a person in business is hard. A lot of people hate you and are mean to you all the time. So it's easy to do. But I try to stay connected to the actual people. Mm-hmm. And I started a community a little less than a year ago. And that has helped me more than anything mm. because I talk to them all the time mm. and I hear about their struggles and I'm remembering what I went through in the beginning. I think that's the most important part is even though I'm three and a half years removed from the struggle of saying I'm not going to drink, but then drinking, it's easy to forget how horrible it was. Like I know Mm. the main points, but I forget sometimes the day to day. And when you can stay connected to your audience and remember the experience in the beginning, it helps keep you focused on your point and why you're doing it. And it becomes less about financial freedom Mm. and more about like making enough to survive (laughs) And like support anyone that works for you while making things accessible for people and, and things like that. So my, I think my values, they just help inform my business choices and how I spend my time and how I connect with other people, Mm -hmm. um, in, my personal life. I didn't really have any values before. My values were just like drinking alcohol and having fun. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. And when I quit drinking, I've had a lot of conversations with both my husband and my therapist about my actual values and what I care about and what mm-hmm. I want my life to look like. Mm-hmm. And I try not to get too wrapped up in in any kind of excitement. And I try to always focus on like my, my aspirations for my life and what I want it to look like. I always envision like 45 year old Jill. That's mm-hmm. who I think about. Yeah. Like what would she want? Yeah. And I let that guide me. No, I, that's, thank you so much for that. I think that's so important. I think when you start getting in the growth phase of things and all of a sudden, you know, you're not at grand zero anymore. People are starting to know about you. So you start getting more reach outs and, and that can be very, flattering and great, but also making yourself stop. I'm like, does this align with the mission? Does interacting with them, doing business with them, bringing them on, does that, does that, are we staying consistent with that? Or is that taking me away from that? And also being okay with, I think when you do present, well, this is how we do things. So if you're okay with this, then this will be a good connection. If not, then it won't be okay with when they come back and say no. It's like that, you know, sometimes that can be hard because maybe it's somebody you really want to do business with, but it's also like, no, I have these things in place. I have these steps in place. I have this community to remind me. I have these three things I go through with each person or group that approaches me to make sure that I'm staying on point in terms of true to myself, that I can feel good about what I'm putting out there. So, and I like that, that synopsis you use of, you know, what would my 45-year-old self think? I can't say 45 because I've, I've done been there, done that. But for me, it's like, you know, what's 10 years from now? If I look back on this work, am I going to feel good like I didn't stray from the mission? And I think that's so important. So thanks for sharing that. I love that community um, piece too. That's just, so find those things, you know, when you're doing these things, 
people, whoever, whatever it is, but find those steps or the community to keep you grounded and reminded and staying true to that. Um, so important. All right. Living, this is a big one for you too, in your journey, living out of your own expectations versus others. It's really hard when people are sharing with you what they think of your situation versus, yeah, but that's what, that's not matching my expectations or trying to live out of their own expectations to be a certain way. So talk to me about your expectations journey. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) with entrepreneurship, There's a lot of people think that the best path to success is to have a high ticket thing Mm. and then sell the crap out of it and then get everybody in it. Yeah. That's great. A lot of people do that. They help a lot of people. It's not just like about making money, but that's not everybody's path. And I think that a lot of times there have been expectations on creating a course and doing like a gigantic launch and having like a six figure whatever and, and like making this really high ticket mastermind thingy and, and like all this stuff. And I get tempted by that. Of course, anytime you hear this idea where you can make more money, which then relieves financial burden and, or could allow you to hire someone to relieve some hourly burdens on your life is great. But I always try to stay grounded to like my vision Mm. for myself. And I did what a lot of people don't advise. Like I spent two years building up a brand so that it can make a lot of money from sponsorships. Mm. And now I make like half my income from ads. Wow. And I did everything almost for free for two years. Yeah. So now I can give away so much for free on my show. Okay. And my membership, even though sometimes people complain about the price, it's very low compared to like all of the other memberships out there. Yeah. And I do that because it's more about making it accessible Mm-hmm. And having so much of my income from ads allows me to do that. So I think a lot of people have a vision on what the best way to do something is, or the mm-hmm. best way to get sober is to go to AA, or the best way is to work with a coach or whatever, or the best way to do your life is to get a fancy job and have two kids and be the best parent. But you always have to remember, like, what do you actually want? Mm -hmm. Because if you live your life by what other people say is a good idea, you're going to feel regretful and weird later. So I try to always remember, like, what was my vision a year ago? What do I actually want here? What, What makes me feel good about myself? Because if I apply other people's expectations, there's going to be a mismatch and it's going to feel like icky or uncomfortable for me. So I always try to just stick to what feels right for me. Yeah. So many good things there because both from a personal and professional level, one, if you're living by other people's expectations, it's not going to feel like your own. And in the business, I mean, it's very tempting. I mean, we're both in the podcast in network and podcast world and building all of that. And there's a lot of people with a lot of ideas about the right way to do that. And 
you know, I'm learning about, it was really hard for a while to not get overly caught up in how many downloads and how many follows and all these things. And realizing I serve a specific, in the work we do here, we serve a specific niche. So that niche may never be the 10 to 15,000 downloads a niche, but that doesn't make my niche any less important or any less valuable. And doesn't mean it's, you know, not something to offer. So that's kind of a specific to our, you know, business example. But I think we can do that with a lot of things of getting so caught up in all these other expectations and messages you're hearing and not staying true to ourselves. And it gets, again, I think it goes back to that values thing, reminding ourselves of what our values are. And then making sure our expectations align with that and then communicating those and being okay with the fact that maybe I've got a different route to go and that route's good for me too. Not to, and those other ideas that are out there, they're great for some people and they totally work for some people, but I don't think we can automatically, you know, just jump to an assumption that they're right for us and that we fit into that. So, yeah. And you'll know, like you said, you know, in your gut, you can tell when it feels like it's yours versus somebody else's. So thanks for your insight on that. That was really helpful. All right. Um, we're to the layered pieces, the accepting the layered aspects of ourselves. You touched on layers a little bit earlier. Talk to me about your layers journey, because I think the layers journey, that ability to accept all those parts of ourselves, I think it's very difficult to have a good relationship with yourself without being able to get to that point. But it's hard. It's hard. So, so talk to me about your layers journey. Yeah, self-esteem has always been really challenging for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and just liking myself. Mm. And then that got even worse when the drinking came into it and I was letting myself down every day because I was not strong enough. Mm. And in sobriety, I've really learned that, that there's different versions of me and that nothing is like good or bad bad. I've stopped trying to connect like morality to, to who I am. And so it's hard. Sometimes I still think like, you're a loser. Why are you so horrible? But I'm learning to be a little bit kinder to myself and more Mm -hmm. gracious and that I am not like static. I'm not Mm. stuck the way that I am. And that just because I learn, like I'm big on identifying patterns, either in behavior or the way that you think. Mm -hmm. And it might feel bad to realize like you're the common denominator in something or, or you have this like toxic thought pattern that is making your life worse. Mm -hmm. But it's really empowering when you realize that because now you can be free of it. You can work mm. to change it. Yeah. So I'm learning that like I can always change and grow and evolve. And just because there are parts of me that I'm not a huge fan of, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm stuck yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, some things like I can't completely change who I am, but I can also learn to appreciate my quirks and my weirdness and things that are conditioned in me. Um And I've heard it described really well as like, there are different versions of you. Like there's the first thing in the morning, like, let's go be your best self. Or like when you go to the grocery store and it was like the healthy version of you that went shopping. 
And then there's the nighttime self-sabotage <laughs> version of you. And, and you have to learn just to appreciate all the different parts. And they're yeah. all okay. They all serve some kind of need. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to take care of all of them. Yeah. No, I love the way you broke that down. That's really, because I've heard it broken down to seasons, but I love that part of the day and just embracing all those different parts of ways of you that show up within the day. And I, and I also really love the taking the morality out of it. I, we are so fixated on the good versus the bad. Um, and I, we got to get away. It's life is so much more nuanced than that. Um, not that there aren't, Yes, obviously, there are straight up good and bad things that happen or choices that are made, whatnot. I'm not saying that, but we use it as this is overall all encompassing all the time in every situation. And if you're really going to embrace your layers, you got to accept the nuances that come with that, too. So I'm really glad you spoke to the morality piece. All right. Um in living out feel, finding empowerment, embracing layers, which is what we've talked about today, how does this affect the quality of your relationships with yourself and with other people? A hundred percent with myself, like setting boundaries and doing self-care. Mm -hmm. I can't function well without those things. Like mm -hmm. I, I'll get through and I'll do what I have to do. But things are going to build behind the scenes, like resentments and crankiness and disappointment. And I don't have to feel that way mm -hmm. if I just take better care of myself in both self-care and boundaries. So that that's what I'm working on right now. Like that's a huge part of my journey. Um, and for my relationship with other people, I think it's just also made me generally more pleasant. Mm. Um, if I'm more accepting of myself, I can be more accepting of other people mm. and more understanding. And we were saying earlier, like you never know what someone is going through. Like you look at them from the outside and you can make judgments or assessments based on how they act or what they said but you never really know what's going on in their lives. And yeah. I've learned to be more compassionate about that, like both through talking to the people in my community, like sometimes they'll share their story and it's like, damn, like I had no idea that you, I've known you for months and I had no idea you went through all of that. Like, yeah. wow. Or just in connecting more with my husband and learning mm. more about his experience, it's like, it's easy for me to get wrapped up in all the stuff that I have going on. And I forget that like my husband also has things that are going on. Sure. Um, so I think it's taking better care of myself has allowed me to be more compassionate and gentle mm. and accepting and patient mm. with other people. Yeah, no, I, those are excellent points. And I think that if you don't, first practice them on yourself. It's very difficult to practice them with other people. So yeah. And I think in just the overall empathy piece um, and, and how that shows up, I think that's, I, I, I would argue in my life without those pieces in place for me, I cannot be my best self in a relationship. I just can't. So thanks so much for sharing on that. All right. We are down to the rapid fire. Name five activities that nourish you. Uh, walking. Going to the gym, 
Um, being around cats. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, do you have a new cat? No, not no. yet. Um, okay. So our cat passed um, a little over a month ago. But I was babysitting my brother's cat this okay. week, okay. which is why I say it. Because I was around and she was very sweet to me and it was nice. And I have some outdoor cats in my neighborhood and I'm around those cats. Okay. And that is nice. Um, And saying no to stuff. I Mm. love saying no. And not in a mean way, but just realizing like if I say yes to everything, I'm not bringing my best self to any of it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to say no or maybe later. Right. And that's fine. So yeah. I love saying no for that. And because I was never able to say no before mm-hmm. because I could never have boundaries or let anyone down. So now when I say no, I'm like, Ugh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> the empowerment that comes with that. Yep. Oh, I love that. All right. And five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Uh, content. Proud, energized, confident, and I don't know if this is a word, but impactful, feeling like I had an impact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a word and you are having an impact. I I can tell you um, right now um, what you're doing in the world is is just, again, so important. Thanks so much for your time today, for your wisdom, um, just your kindness and authenticity. You're just really a joy to talk to. and like I said, audience, you can find all of these resources on our website, embracinglayers.com, if you want to get connected to the things that Jill is doing. And I will tell you, even if you don't deal with any of these issues yourself, you don't have any kind of addictions or vices that you deal with, um, and you don't think you have friends that do, I still really encourage you to take a look at what Jill's doing because A, you never know, and B, it may awaken you to some things that you weren't aware of and just just the knowledge and and informing yourself of what these things look like. So if you do come across this with yourself or a friend or a child or a partner at some time that you have the tools to approach it in a way that's kind and empathetic um, without judgment, without stigma. So I advise across the board, no matter what, to take a look at what what Jill offers to the world. But Jill, thanks so much again for your time. Um, Appreciate you again so much. And podcast audience, take care and have a great week. Finding empowerment, embracing layers, yeah. We get to, we get to feed.